I couldn't do the whole glass in the span of the theme song. You put forth a valiant effort. <laughs> I did. Alex, stop making your screen blurry. <laughs> I'm trying to make it not blurry. Ah, 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 ah. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> There's... <clears throat> Fasten your drool cups and ready your vomit bags. We're going... John looks leaving. John looks gone. Wow. That's rude. I didn't finish yet. But, um... Hello. And welcome to Crying in the Book Club. Uh, the Hit New Podcast where, uh... Two emotional friends talk about comic books, and one of them gets up to drink water. Uh, but no, not complaining. I think water is very good to drink. And, uh, you know, yeah. Hello, I'm Alex. I'm hosting this episode. And uh, the person that you uh, haven't heard yet who is drinking water right now is uh, Jean-Luc Botville. Hello, Jean-Luc. What's up, brother? Damn, that's the first time you haven't called me a cracker, and I really do appreciate it. <laughs> what's up? Uh, what's going on, cracker? There we go. There we go. And the other voice you haven't heard is Emily. How you doing, Emily? I can't believe that John Luke like stood up and yet you still introduced him before me. That is, if that's not sexism, it's the order of the world. I don't know what is. Misogyny is rampant in the podcast industrial complex. True. And you know what? what? He- that's that's why we have to maintain it. It's the, one of the few industries where we're still keeping our traditional values intact. Sorry, that's a joke. I don't. <laughs> There's one thing I think of when I think of you, John Luke. It's traditional values. Yep. 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 Yeah, that's right, Emily. Now go back to the kitchen. Let the men do the podcast over here. So, Emily, how's your day going? <laughs> I'm not bad. My so, wife uh, just uh, made uh, me dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well done. Like a real man. Another wife subjugated by the patriarchy. We love to see it, folks. <laughs> we do love to see um, it. What about you, Alex? Okay, I'm done with that. I'm done with that. We're, no more of that this episode. I'm pretty good. Uh, I was. Uh, I woke up early this morning to do my driving test. Uh, got there. Very excited. And then it's tomorrow. So we'll do that again tomorrow. Very good. Uh, you don't have a driver's license? I have a, a what we call a G two here in Canada. Okay. Uh, so it's like you can drive. One of my favorite esports orgs. G two, they're pretty good. They got a good Halo skin. Haven't played Halo recently, but we'll get to that in the show. Yeah. It's a big Halo yeah. show today. Um, the but, Apex team sucks, unfortunately, but it is what it is. Most do, most do. Um, but yeah, no, it's like a <laughs> it's a license where you can you can do all the driving, but you can only have it for five years, and then you need to get your full one. So yeah. Okay. That's a, that's a little Canada road talk. Very exciting. And uh, Jean-Luc, how are you doing today? What's up? Um, I'm not drunk enough, but we'll, we will solve this problem. Survey says? The, the out, outcome is looking good. The fact that you didn't say that sentence right. Boats, yeah. boats well. I will say the amount of whiskey that I consumed during the theme song was made me really uncomfortable. <laughs> like... Like physically, like my throat started burning. That's well, why I had yeah. to, that's why I had to stand up and go get a glass of water. Well, you guys presumably you know, oh. down the fort. Yeah, well, we did no, some, I, I some don't know. Pants. Yeah, I was gonna 
I was gonna. I had an opening, and I was talking in a Transylvania voice, but then you left, and I was just got sad. Oh fuck! I have to listen to the episode. So no, no, but it, and I mean, like you're not gonna hear it because it, it just got cut. Oh no! Oh. I liked oh, yeah. it. Leave it in. No, but it, like, but it's fitting because it's the, it the you know, yeah. We're in, it's our, we're, in Octo- we're in October. It's the Happy the Pride Month, month. everyone. It's the... Happy Pride Month. <laughs> Happy Pride Month. Happy Pride Month. October. Yeah. It's always Pride Month on the. Uh, Com- crying in the book club. I almost said the comics podcast. You really did. <laughs> it's always Pride Month on Crying in the Book Club, and the thing we have pride in is comic books. I was gonna say I was gonna bring back a bit from earlier in the cast, but instead I'm just gonna say what were we you gonna be misogynistic is. again, Sean Luke? <sighs> Alcohol brings out the real me. What can I say? See, like the, the thing is, most podcasts are like that anyway. You don't need to do a bit. Like it's like there there's enough. Yeah, honestly, you know what? That's fair. Like there's. There's enough already, like pre-misogynist podcasts already. Except that know. Emily's doing like 35 podcasts to like counter that. So it's great work. No, I listen to some of their podcasts, and uh, they're a little misogynistic, if I had to say. It's one of my main criticisms <laughs> of uh, Imagine Me and Utina is that whenever I listen to an episode, it's like, God, they hate women on this show. You've up. never listened to Imagine Me and You Tonight. I know it. Nope. I've listened to one episode in my life. Oh, wait. Is it the one that Chad was on? Yeah. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> yep. I was like, oh, two of my friends are on this podcast. That's better than one. Well, now technically three because we've had Alice on this show. I listened to it like two years ago or whenever you yeah. guys first originally did it. Yeah, it was like two years ago. That's me supporting my friend's creative endeavors. Wow. Inspirational. Yeah. You know, it's getting chilly around here in October. It's like leaves are falling. It's good stuff. Are you guys I doing any tr- house trick this or treating? morning and it was like 60 degrees. It was beautiful. Oh, that's the perfect weather. That's the perfect weather. You guys got Halloween plans? Um, you know, I never know what I'm going to do for Halloween. I usually end up just watching uh movies in particular uh Scary Godmother and Scary Godmother 2, Jimmy's Revenge, or whatever the fuck that movie is called, uh, are appointment viewing for me on Halloween. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> it, it's, it's Halloween, John Luke, what? The Scary Godmother movies, scary Godmother. The, the classic CG animated films. How many Oscars did it win? Was it three or four? All of them. They gave, uh, they just gave them all. Yeah. What a time. Uh, uh, John Luke, you you would absolutely don't not you would not like these movies. <laughs> they're very ugly and bad. I see one you like great. this though. I think they're great. I think they're hilarious, but the CG is like so bad. <laughs> I'm just looking at this redheaded witch woman and thinking, yeah, that's uh, that explains a lot. <laughs> She's great. She's scary godmother, and she's voiced by uh, Rarity from My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. And she's apparently the Joker's godmother. Yeah, based That's on correct. one of the covers I'm looking at, one of like the DVD cover I presume that I'm looking at. You're correct. Wow, uh, I will be watching you know the, the nice little mini series over the garden wall, little Halloween tradition Ooh. now. Ten minute episodes, ten minute, ten episodes or so. I think so it's less good. actually, but very good, very enjoyable. John, have you yeah. watched that yet? Yes. Yes. He he's not the biggest fan, which is why we're going to ask him what he's doing, and we don't have to talk about over the garden wall. Yeah, it's it just wasn't your favorite. Yeah, you know, 
yeah it's it's one of those things that like i feel like everyone i know who liked it like really liked it and then jean luc is kind of like ah, it's okay but i'm like it's the greatest thing that ever happened so that's kind of john's thing. like Jean-Luc- it's pretty mid yeah Jean like what, what, what are you doing for halloween you gonna dress it's up funny because i had a f- one of my coworkers recently we were like in the car and we were talking about the new george miller movie and he was just like, I ripped my headphones out by accident. He was just like, oh, you liked Mad Max Fury Road, right? And I'm like, no, yeah, I loved it. It's like one of my favorite movies of the last 10 years. And he's like, okay, that's good. I can never tell with you. Sometimes you have the most black <laughs> takes on movies I've ever heard. Damn. If you'd like okay, to see his black takes, check wrong? out Letterboxd. Check out Letterboxd, uh, JL Botbill. My, my takes sometimes deviate from the norm, but I wouldn't say they're whack. Uh, I mean, like, I think characterizing your takes as whack is a very funny way to characterize it them. It is fun. I think it's I will funny. say, though, also, like, if you really understand my takes on things, you would understand that you would know that, like, Mad Max Fury Road would yes. appeal to Oh, me. yeah. It's yes, great. of course. And you would also understand why Over the Garden Wall would be something that I, like, recognize the artistry in mm-hmm. and also think that it's embarrassing to say that it's your favorite thing ever if you're over the age of 12. Phew, I'm 11 and a half, so take that. Good, good for you, Alex. Yeah. Uh, quick aside, that's not going to be, I mean, you know, it's it's a couple months later, but have you seen the new George Miller movie? Uh, yeah. yeah, I did. Worth it? Yeah, I really liked it. I've seen some, like, less than enthused um, responses to it, but I thought it was really good. It's... I, it's paced like absolute shit. Like you can tell this is a movie that has like minimal creative oversight from like a studio or anything. And he sort mm-hmm. of like had the reins to just do whatever he wanted. And for me, that's poggers. And for other people, that's going to be a little bit off putting, which is totally fair. Like I understand why some people would watch this movie and go, okay, yeah, that's not like, and not respond to it. Yeah. I really liked it. It's probably Idris Elba's best performance. Um, and Tilda Swinton is also obviously fantastic. So I'd recommend it. Nice. Nice. Well, you know what? That's our Halloween movie recommendation. Go watch, uh, go watch three, three, three thousand years, eight thousand years, many years of longing. Three thousand years of longing. Three thousand eight hundred and thirty six years of longing. Then you're going to watch the, my scary godmother. Five hundred twenty five thousand six hundred years of longing. Five hundred twenty five thousand moments. So dear. All right. But for some reason, here. when they announced that movie, I got really confused, and I thought it was an adaptation of uh, the novel One Hundred Years of Solitude. Because for some <laughs> oh. reason, in my mind, One Hundred Years of Solitude was Three Thousand Years of Solitude, and I had to look it up because I watched a trailer and I thought that it was very tonally inconsistent. <laughs> with the novel. This, this this was not what I signed up for. Jeez, uh, well, book, though, I would recommend it. And we got a book recommendation, but. We might have another book recommendation because today we're talking about the very spooky, the very, the very witchy, the uh, very uh, sporadic released comic book, uh, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which is an American comic book series published by the good old Archie Horror, which uh, started in 2014. Uh, geez, to think this series came out in 2014 and knowing what issue we're on right now and knowing it's an ongoing is actually very saddening. It's <laughs> oh, it's very saddening, but yeah, the series so it was cool. So it came out after Afterlife with Archie. It was like, it, and it was a thing where they took these beloved Archie characters, and they were like, you know what, do whatever the hell you want with them. Uh, they took a darker take on the characters, 
and uh, setting of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, but also one that kind of fits. I mean, she's a witch, so telling like a story that's a little more mature and stuff like that, um, you know, it makes sense. It's just something you don't see in the RG comics. You didn't see for like 40, 50 years it was being published. Uh, like we said, written by Roberto Aguirre Sacasa, art by Robert Hack, and uh, yeah, inspired by the appearance of Sabrina in Afterlife with Archie. So crazy. I just got to say, like, the first issue did come out in 2014, and then issue number eight came out in 2016 and then issue number nine came out in 2021 yep. it's 2022 now yep it's ongoing it is so it at the time it didn't feel this way but in retrospect it's so telling that this book the first issue of this book came out and then it immediately went on a six-month hiatus oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> This book has had nothing but uh, but release, but scheduling issues. I, I'd say a lot of the issues, like you, you kind of notice it in the fact that they're all kind of oversized because it's all kind of like, okay, no, we need, to, we need to make up for the fact that we haven't published a book in four years. We're giving you one that's like 40 pages instead of 20 pages or, you know, 40 instead of 30. Um, but it's it's two volumes technically. Uh, first one is volume one, The Crucible. Do, do a nice little, little summary of it. So half which Sabrina lives with her witch ants, Hilda and Zelda her warlock cousin Ambrose, and Salem, her feline familiar, in the town of Greendale. Uh, nearing her 16th birthday, she must choose whether to become a full witch or pursue a motor to life with her boyfriend, Harvey Kinkle. Great name, great name. Uh, meanwhile, Madame Satan, another great name, a former flame of Sabrina's estranged father, has returned from hell and wants revenge on the Spellman family. Uh, yeah, that's volume one, and uh, it ends off with Harvey dying. Harvey gets murdered by a coven of witches. Were you happy that Harvey got killed by a coven of witches, Emily? No, Harvey's fine. Yeah, he he is fine. I mean, like, you know, I probably wouldn't be friends with him, but I didn't think he needed to die. He deserves some friends, not not us. (laughs) But, yeah, so this issue's one to five. And then volume two, it's not really volume two, because it's really only issue six to nine, because, you know. And it, you know, volume two, volume two, which I'm sure is still on Amazon. Like, oh, you can get it. You can, it's not out for a while, though, because we don't know when it's coming. But uh, Sabrina's father, Edward Spellman, is back. And you know where he's back in? He's back in the in the body of Sabrina's girlfriend, boyfriend. I hate this. Yeah, we'll get into it. I hate this. Yeah, yeah. There's there's some like there are scenes. We'll, we'll talk about it later. It. But anyway, so he's you know he's in the body of Sabrina's uh, the, the boyfriend who she mm-hmm. she resurrects. Um, Hilda and Zelda warn Sabrina about the consequences of necromancy, but Sabrina's a teenager and protects Harvey quotation marks against their attempts to send him back to the grave. Edward begins to wonder who could have helped Sabrina engage in such powerful magic. And he pays a visit to her school teacher, who is, uh, you know, actually Madam Satan, which is lots of fun. And that's that's it brings us to where we are right now, which is not a not an ending. You're, you're not going to read these nine issues and be like, oh, I'm so satisfied. I can stop reading this. You're going to be like, oh, great. OK. Great, great, great. So awesome that Roberto Grosso decided that uh, writing the continuation of the Netflix show in comic book form was a better use of his time. Yeah, it did that's see what that. I think when I finish the end of issue number nine of uh, <laughs> Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Which I mean, I, we'll get to that and like how the Netflix show obviously takes a lot of inspiration from this and you know goes in different directions, sort of. But at the core, it, it is sort of based on this comic. Mm-hmm. 
a little i'd say a little toned down in the tv series because this comic is just kind of like oh yeah oh so the wall. oh yeah. yeah this the comic is so much darker yeah 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 uh but before we get into all that darkness uh jean-luc what was your first memory of sabrina the teenage old witch can you repeat that for me alex <laughs> nope okay but don't worry i'll ask you the same question so I don't have a long history with Sabrina. Um, I like was aware of the character as a kid, but I didn't read like Archie, st- like the Archie digest or whatever as a kid. I-, I wasn't like super in tune with it. So this was like hearing about this book was really the first time that I would like really engage with the character in a meaningful way. <clears throat> um, I remember like reading reviews and hearing on podcasts that it was really good back in like tw- the first issue was really good back in 2014. And then uh, when it eventually came back in, in 2015, you know, still hearing those same sort of like really positive responses to it. And then I, so I picked it up and, and read it and it was, you know, I really liked it at the time. And so it just stuck with it and, you know, but the, this is really like in terms of Sabrina stuff. Like this is my first uh, like real like engagement with the character in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. It's a good one to start with, uh, Emily. Is this your first memory of Sabrina the Teenage Witch? I almost uh, forgot what I was saying. <laughs> okay, so I feel like my first exposure to Sabrina as a character was probably the. Melissa Joan Hart live action TV show. Yeah. Uh, if you're familiar with that. And I have seen, like, not in a long time, but I've seen a considerable amount of it because I would watch, like, a bunch of reruns whenever it was on TV. Uh, my sister and I would watch it usually. And uh, there was also, I have less memories of this, but there was an animated sabrina the teenage witch tv show that i do remember being on like when i was younger but i didn't see as much of it and i definitely didn't know that sabrina the teenage witch was a part of like the archie universe because i was never really into archie when i was younger uh so i didn't find that out until i was an adult probably um in high school, I heard about uh, the Afterlife with Archie comics, but I never read them, and yeah. I still have—I still have not read Afterlife with Archie. Yes, you but, have. Oh you wait, yes, I did. Yes, I did. That's right. Um, I remember now. Uh, it's just—it's been—we've read so many things. It's been a while. Too many uh, comics. Too many comics. Yeah, but um. I had I had not read Afterlife with Archie, and then uh, I read Chilling Adventures before I read Afterlife with Archie, and I read Afterlife with Archie for our previous podcast. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, thing. I guess technically Afterlife with Archie would have been my first like the Sabrina. first Sabrina media media I consumed. Yeah, right. Because she she's in that first issue where she's the one who brings Jughead's back dog back to life she brings hot dog back so she's pretty in there and then she becomes like the wife of cthulhu and then she becomes like sorcerer supreme issue, or something like six or seven yeah mm-hmm. another series that's gonna have an ending uh I, so yeah, yeah I, it's nice to have hope alex it's nice to have hope 
It is. It is. See, so, yeah, I I am the only one who like grew up on the on the good old Archie Double Digest, the Betty and Veronica Double Digest. Sometimes there was Reggie and me. Didn't last really long because I don't know. There's only so much you can do with Reggie being a dick. Um, but yeah, Sabrina just kind of showed up, like having her oh, like run off adventures. I've also read some of the like the the Archie comics that like like the uh, like the modern Archie comics that came out before Riverdale did. I don't remember who fucking wrote those. Oh, uh, Mark Wade and Jonah yeah. Staples. Oh, those. Okay. But Archie, Sabrina's not in those, right? She shows up in, um, she shows up up in Jughead and I read, she does show up in Jughead. That's the Derek charm one. Yeah. Yeah. I read read Chips and Ersky Jughead also. Uh, and she, yeah, I read that that. also before Riverdale came out on the strength of, uh, Mm -hmm. Chips and Ersky's name. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I actually really like the Jughead and Sabrina like friendship and like the dynamic there. It's very, it's, it's, it's very it's fun. One. Yeah. Um, but yeah, growing up, a lot, a lot of Archie. Oh, yeah. Nick, of, Nick, sorry, Nick Spencer is the guy who. He was produced. the yeah. So that was the one where it was like Archie, Archie seven hundred or something. They 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 did, they did like a, they went back to the regular numbers and Archie and Sabrina were dating, but it was like weird where like there might have been a spell or there something. Was a sp- which to be fair, there is also a, sp- a romance spell in. Chilling Adventures. Yeah, but like it just feels know, way more out of place coming off of the Mark Wade. Yeah, Staples book. This, this book is like like you know t- talking about consent and stuff. This book is like completely you know this book's this very fucked edgy. up things. It's 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 very edgy, and and it's something that even like I, I read Afterlife before I read this, and Afterlife was like taking these Archie characters and like oh my god, Jughead just like ate Ethel because he's a zombie now, and that's so tame compared to what this book is. Which is which is so so kind of fun to say. You know what this kind of reminds me of, like hmm. the the dynamic between like the the Archie horror comics and like like regular Riverdale and stuff. Like it kind of reminds me of like Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa, like being in charge of both of these two very different tonally uh, entities. Reminds me a lot of uh, how the guy that made Glee also made American Horror Story. Wow. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. People are talented, guys. Uh, well, I wouldn't go that far. People are people, case. guys. <laughs> uh, yeah. people... I was going to say, based on what I've seen of both of those shows, I would not call the person who makes them talented. Glee is very entertaining. They do contain multitudes. Um so yeah, like in the Archie comics, though, Sabrina's like, like her magic is so like, it's like so cutesy and like, oh, I like Harvey, but oh no, I turned him into a frog. Oh no, it's prom night. Uh. Or like she has a zit and it like takes off her face instead of like taking off the zit. And it's like, what am I going to do? Uh, you know, nice stuff like that. And then here it's like, yeah, I'm putting a spell on, on this guy I like. And then, oops, he found my coven of witches. So we have to kill him. And now I'm sad about it. It's just like, whoa, Sabrina's so edgy now. Um, did you did you like it, Emily? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I I really like this comic. I I mean, like I have like nitpicks with it, but on the whole, like I really like this comic. I like the art. Um, I think it's a a fun and interesting take on this character. Um, 
yeah, like I, I enjoyed reading it the first time I read it. And I actually realized I had not read the new issue that had come out. So uh, I got to, to read some new content. I read the... I, on Comixology, I got what's called the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina Occult Edition. So I guess it was like a big combo of the like two volumes. Uh, and it had some like bonus material that I didn't read. We put every issue that we've released in six years in one volume. It was definitely I think a thing I didn't where... have to pay for it. <laughs> That also helps. But like, it was definitely, they were like, okay, we've solicited, you know, the first volume's out. Now we've solicited the second volume. It's coming out too. And then they're like, four years later, they're like, let's just, let's just, you know, let's release it. Let's release what we got. We'll fix it after. I love it when I buy a trade and it has four issues in it. That's so hilarious. Oh, <laughs> uh, that used to be, that, that used to be a thing. I think the new 52, like every one of those trades was like four issues long. It was Marvel Now that did that. That was really oh, bad about that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every trade was four issues, and they all cost seventeen ninety nine. Oh, like, I remember getting an X Force oh, one. God, like the Remender X Force, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it was Remender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jean Luc, you didn't like Marvel Now, but did you like the Chilling Adventures? I loved Marvel. Actually, I loved Marvel Now. I think Marvel Now has a lot of really great books. The Gillen McKelvey Young Avengers Fraction Twelve Aha Issues Hawkeye. 14, yeah. 14, it, 14, is that, 14 is Young really? Avengers is 14. Ooh, ooh. Got his ass, smoked him. Uh, no, wow. I, I mean, it's it's actually fitting because Sabrina, Chilling Adventures is from that same era, right? Yeah. Um, like 2014-ish. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I like this book a lot. I Like it was my first exposure to it. I had no idea what to expect going in given that a lot of people like I respected liked it. Um, I, which was, I was really shocked to hear cause I'd always assumed that like the Archie stuff was garbage for eight year olds, um, and women more than it was for women than, than it was for eight year olds when I was, you know, 15 or, or Are we doing this again? No, 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 but no, but this time it's genuine. When I was, when I was 17, I was like, oh, that's for girls. Oh, that's uh, fair. I'm going to read real comics, <laughs> like the new 52 Batman. Batman. <laughs> Um, but hearing that it was really good, I like, I, you know, checked it out and I really liked it. And this is the first time in years that I've reread the whole thing start to finish. I, I did read yep. the new issue like last October and I think we talked about it on the show and I was like, yeah, I read this. It was fine. I, I don't remember what's going on. It's been four years. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what's happening, but reading the whole thing again, I was like, just really struck by it, like all over again. It felt you know, sort of new again to me. Uh, and so it was really exciting, like getting to go back to it and being like, Oh shit. Yeah. This still rules. Um, it's not one mm -hmm. of those books, you know, from that I was, that I read like in the like first few years of me being into comics that I go back to and go like, Oh yikes, this sucks. Um, it was, it was, it was really good. I, I also like Emily, I have some like qualms and nitpicks with it now that I don't necessarily know that I would have picked up on back then, but I mean, God, there's so much to love here. I mean, Robert, Robert Hack is just a fucking master of, like, that sort of, like, Silver Age horror comic style. Like, there's so much of this that, like, would feel at home in, like, you know, like, Len Wein's Swamp Thing or, you know, horror comics of, of that era. Um, yeah, and I feel like most of, his, most of his pages are, like, 
they don't even look like the interiors of those horror comics. They look like the covers. It's like it's it's something oh, where it's 100%. like yeah, yeah, where it's yeah, so yeah. striking. And, but but he does it for like the full thing, which I'm not sure if that is part of the reason why we've only got nine issues. I know Francesco Francavilla was one of the reasons why Afterlife only has nine issues right now. Yeah, well, initially they sort of like put it on Fra- Francavilla as like that was the problem. But yeah. I, I think the real thing is it's just no. I mean, and since yeah, Riverdale went Riverdale and Sabrina, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Which Roberto's uh, getting that Netflix money. Yeah, it's about to run out though, thankfully, which means he's gonna go right back to comics. Hopefully, I, I don't know. Yeah, I also, I also really liked it. Uh, definitely, like, so like seeing the, the you know the Archie characters in Afterlife was a bit more shocking because it was like I knew these characters and I read them for so long. Sabrina was always sort of like, I mean, she's a witch, right? And sure, she was, uh, you know, portrayed in the Archie style and stuff like that. But it kind of, it kind of fits so well as it went through. And even though some of the things in the book, I was like, oh my God, that's, that's, that's horrible. It was like, I mean, oh. so how do you feel about Betty and Veronica being like the, that was a cool, that, like, that was cool. Like that was cool. It was okay. like, it, it's, it's like a little, like, it, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a campy little thing in a book that's not campy, you know? I no, I would say there, there is quite a bit of camp in this book as much as it is also horror. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, w- I would definitely say there's camp in this book. It's the best kind of horror where, like, I don't know, 60 or 70% of the plot is, like, pure, like, teen drama, 70s movies camp. And then it also just has the most brutal mean streak you've ever seen. Oh, my god! <laughs> Which is, yeah. like, the formula for, like, every great slasher, right? Like, it's and – it, and it works here as well. I mean – Absolutely. It's good shit. Yeah. So again, we, we've mentioned it a few times. This was launched after like Afterlife was a, a, a success. I, it must have launched when Afterlife had like three or four issues, you know, and it was like, wow, four issues in four months. This is going great. This is going to keep going. Um, how does how does it compare for you? Do, do you do you like it more than Afterlife from what you can remember? Because because they're, they're both horror comics and Archie. They're both darker than the regular, but they're very different at the same time. I mean, both Afterlife and Chilling Adventures for me are like made or bro- are basically make or break on the art. Like RAS is a fine writer and he does a lot of stuff really well. But so much of the appeal of these books is is just from a visual perspective and looking at it from the art. Um, and I, I mean, Robert Hack is great at what he does, but it, Francesco Francavilla is Francesco Francavilla, man. <laughs> like yeah. at the end of the day, it's just. I don't know. I will take a Frankavia. I will take Frankavia interiors. I mean, I read every issue of Joker for like because there were going to be Frankavia backups, uh, you know, <laughs> or like every like fifth issue, Frankavia did the interiors, and it was like, okay, well, I guess I'm reading this, sticking with this until the end, because if there's another Frankavia issue, I want to read it, you know. Yeah, he's just like that that kind of level of artist in my mind which doesn't take anything away from hack i think robert hack is like i said he's phenomenal at what he does i mean there's that panel in the first issue of edward like trapped in the tree screaming and you're like wow that is a fucking that is a hell of an image um there's just so there's a and there's a lot of potent imagery in this but uh, to me like afterlife is afterlife is the peak of this this imprint chilling adventures is, is you know kind of a close second but yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say anything else in the imprint, too, because it's like... Well, there's a Jughead Werewolf book. Oh, yeah, The Hunger. 
The Hunger Games. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, well, actually, and, and Vampironica is fun too, but it's a bit more like regular Archie, but she's just a vampire. So everyone kind of acts the same, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah. And it's more cheesecakey too, right? Like yeah. it's. Um, yeah, no. I who draws it? Highly recommend it. Uh, he's good. I don't know. Oh no, he's I, great. He draws a very sexy vampire. Audrey Mock is the is the writer, I believe. Who knows? Could be. I'll check on that. But Emily, I do you remember reading Afterlife? Now, I, I like I do now. Like I just like we've we've read a bunch of stuff, and it, that was like two that was two years ago that we did Afterlife. Yeah. So like it's just you know. Um, I forgot that we did actually read it, but, um, I don't know if it's, you know, maybe it's the recency bias of having just reread Sabrina or like if it's that I read Sabrina first and I, I don't know, I, but I feel like I do kind of like Sabrina more. I don't know if it's just like the, the witchy plot appeals to me more than like the zombie plot, maybe, you know, I don't know, but I, I mean, I like both obviously. And like, they're both absolutely gorgeous. Um, so it feels a little bit like, you know, why pit two Queens against each other, you know, but, uh, but, uh, I, yeah, I guess I do have to kind of say that for me, just like on like a heart level, I think Sabrina comes out on top. I think also nice. probably a lot of it does have to do with like having grown up more with the Sabrina characters in general, like because of the mm-hmm. TV show and stuff. Like I already have, it, it's sort of like the opposite of you with like your Archie uh, familiarity, I guess. Like we're sort of two, two sides of the same coin on that one. Yeah. And John looks right in the middle with nothing on each. Yeah. Perfect, perfectly zen. Damn. <laughs> uh, were, were you guys surprised at all how dark it was? Because I mean, Emily, you read this. You read this first. Did you know it going in? Did... I. I mean, I knew it was going to be dark. I guess I yeah. didn't anticipate it being as dark as it is. Honestly, like, even though I had, you know, I had seen Riverdale, so like I knew, you know, what what my mortal enemy Roberto Guirsacasa is capable of. Uh, I guess he's not like my, he's not actually in the ranking of my mortal enemies. He's probably like third. Uh, Jean-Luc, Alex, I, or Guirsacasa. <laughs> <laughs> no, it goes, um, be a one and two. it's uh, David Lynch, Kanehiko Ikahara, and then, uh, than Roberto Guirsacasa. Where's uh, Claudio Sanchez on this list? Oh, <laughs> mm, interesting. Claudio might be number four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would. Uh, I'd believe that. Uh, Claudio has ar- maybe arguably done worse things, but in ways that have affected me on a personal level less. Okay, that's yeah, that's, that's all that matters. <laughs> that's, that's why he is lower in the ranking. <laughs> Yeah. I gotta say, in terms of, like, looking at this book from a perspective of how dark it is, like, it did surprise me initially a little bit, but I was also already, I'd already been reading Afterlife, so I kind of knew that, like, from an editorial perspective, Archie was willing to, like, take risks and do different and, like, weird shit with their characters that you would, like, not expect from a publisher like Archie. 
Mm-hmm. Um, although to be fair, I also think this came out after that issue of Life with Archie where he literally died. Yeah, well, and Life with Archie was, I think it was written by Sakasa. It was. Well, there's yeah, also, correctly. Ar- I mean, yeah. this isn't as dark, but there's Archie versus Predator. That's true, yeah. Archie versus Sharknado is good too. Wait, what? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it, it, it's a one shot. Uh, I, th- I think Predator is a miniseries and then it has a sequel. But Jesus. Archie vs. Sharknado, it's just like, it's it's drawn in the Archie comic style, and it's just people getting killed by it. Like, Mr. Lodge is like, hello, and then he just dies, and it's like, what? <laughs> it's much like the, you know, protagonist of the Predator movies. I, I will say there's a certain, um, like, nonchalance, I guess, to the way that Chilling Adventures deploys its its darkness and its sort of edginess. Like, the horror is very much just a part of everyday life i mean you know when they kill harvey it like has a big you know a, it takes a toll on sabrina obviously but there's so much shit that happens in this book like i think particularly of issue two which is like the madame satan like sort of origin story where she's just like yeah and then i just rolled into like a band camp and took a girl's face off and now i wear it and then you get like every issue has like three moments where she's just like chilling in the bathtub. Like she takes the face off and like her actual face shows up. Like there's a, there's a degree of like buy-in of the characters in this book with the sort of like horror aspect elements of it Mm. um, that I think is a little bit different. And so it's in some ways, like in some ways I would say it's even more jarring than like seeing characters get eaten by zombies in afterlife where it's like, Oh yeah. Okay. This is just normal for you guys. Yeah, I would say that that's probably, like, I would attribute that to, like, the the main cast of each series. Like, when you start Afterlife, like, you're starting off with, like, normal human people, and then they are slowly encountering spooky stuff. But, like, when we start with Sabrina, we're starting from, like, their familial perspective. So, like, that is all normal to them. And there is a degree of precedence for this with Sabrina. Like, there's, like, that chilling Adventures in Sorcery uh, series from the 1970s, which was, like, I think Sabrina's only in the first couple issues, but it's it was, like, a, the sort of, like, Archie Comics horror series. Yeah, it was, like, a spooky anthology kind of stuff going mm-hmm. on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I kind of like, I mean, like, you, you mentioned in issue two when they had, a you know, a Madame Satan's uh, origin story. I like when they're like expositing and like te- like when these characters are telling their stories. Like Salem has a good one, and and the the two Cobras. I think it's in the same issue, mm-hmm. or it's like back to back, and it feels just, it, it feels like sort of that anthology seventies things where it's just like look at this thing that happened. It's like a horror and stuff like that, and oh my gosh, now they're cursed, and um, it makes the series about wait like feel bigger than it is, which I really like. And also, Ras's prose is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like, so much of this book is told through sort of, like, expository monologue um, with a lot of different perspective characters. I mean, a lot of it is Sabrina, but obviously, like, there's some of it is Madame Satan, some of it is uh, Salem, some of it is, like, even from other characters. Like, like Edward has a lot of – her father has a lot of that. Um, 
but it's always really compelling. And, and it's the kind of thing where it's like, you know, so often comics are like, you, you like flip the page in a comics like, oh, Jesus, there's so many square text boxes on this page. I'm about to close this shit and go do something else. But with Chilling Adventures, it's, there's a, it's, it's so gripping, right? Like RS does such a great job with that and consistently writes it in the tone of like Silver Age horror comics. Like it's always very, there's like an elevated nature to it of like, let's take this super seriously. And like, you know, and, and, and so you, you get like that, like you do, you can take it seriously, but there's also like a camp to it. And a like, Oh, okay. I know. I see what you're doing here. And this is kind of fun. Yeah. And, and it's like written better and it like flows better than most of those seventies uh, horror comics did. Uh, I would say, but I, but, no. but I think that's also like, I haven't read a ton, but. Oh yeah, but but I think it's also like because you're in the modern age, you can kind of look at that style, but also bring in some modern sensibilities and things that sound better to like you know us as an audience. Um, That's true. Yeah, which is neat. Although a lot of the lingo is lifted right from because this book takes place in what like mostly in 1964 or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A lot of the lingo is lifted from that. So yeah, that's fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, What do you guys think of? I mean, we touched on Robert Haxar. Is there anything else you guys want to say about it? I love the textures mm. the like paint textures in the backgrounds and stuff like it's just like oh uh, it looks it looks so nice and good and like i just it makes every panel every inch of every panel look so interesting yeah i mean to build off that like every page feels like there's something that is just like immediately attention grabbing um which is you know, fantastic. I, I also, like, just from a coloring perspective, and I think Robert Hack colors his own work, mm-hmm. uh, if I'm not mistaken. Like, it just looks like what you want, like a like a, a fall comic to look like. You know, like it evokes so much of that, like September through November sort of vibe, and like with all the orange, like the, all the different shades all the of oranges orange and that, reds and yellows. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, and and it ha- and it uses those colors to like, you know, elicit such a, like, it just elicits such a like unique mood. I would say of mm-hmm. like this is like a very seasonal comic book, you know, um, which is why like in some respects it feels fitting that it only ever comes out like once every four <laughs> Octobers, you know. <laughs> um, but it, you know, like that that is a that is a I think a big part of the book, and I also think that just like from a more of a like penciling perspective, like uh, we've talked a lot about like how, like his drawing of like horror scenes, which is obviously fantastic, but even like his, like the sort of acting and and body language and facial language that, that goes into this is, is really well done too. I mean, Mm. there's so many, there's so many panels where like RAS is like telling you in like the top left or the top right corner, like what is going through Sabrina's mind, but so much is just evoked by, uh, hacks penciling and, and the way that he draws the Sabrina or, or, or whoever character, whichever character is, is in the scene. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, to go back to like, and I, I go back to it again because I think it is the best issue of the series is that the, the Madame Satan issue really early on where you get so much of that character through like her, her body, her, her, her like facial acting and, and body expressions. And hack does that so fucking well. I mean, it's, I really, I really can't understate just like, what an amazing job he does on that stuff and how like how much lesser this comic would be like with a different style or a, or, or a lesser, even a lesser artist drawing in the, in the same style. 
Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. like on, on one hand, it, it sucks. There's only nine issues. On the other hand, it's like you can read through it all in a day and sort of get everything that's out and really, really appreciate Hackens, Casa working together. I mean, I'm glad they've like kept the same creative team through the whole thing because oh, yeah. like you would like, it'd be very understandable if like RAS is like, I have to go work on this TV show and the book takes a four year break and that comes back with a different artist. You know, like I would not begrudge yeah. Robert Hack Even. for being like, I have to go yeah. do another. I have to do other projects. I mean, like, <laughs> like, like, I'm, I'm surprised they haven't even like spun it out with like, hey, we got a new writer. He's following Sakasa's plan and stuff like that. Like, as you know, th- th- this could be a bit of a, a bit of hopeful thinking. Sakasa's got to have like a lot of clout at that company at this point, right? Yeah. Or- no, and, and this is. I mean, this and Afterlife are clearly stories that he still wants to tell. That's me hoping, you know, otherwise it would have either said, okay, it's never happening again or like someone else can do it kind of thing. Um, but, you know, we've, we've said a lot of good things and uh, on the bad front for me and I think for Emily too, and it probably Jean-Luc too, because I mean, Emily wrote this in the doc, but uh, yeah, what is up with S- Sabrina's dad? So, you know, little, little story. He, uh, you know, he, uh, he went with Sabrina's mom to get power and stuff because he saw, he saw nice oracles. They talked to him. And then he goes away, turned into a tree, and then he comes back in Harvey's body, and he like goes on a date with Sabrina, and Sabrina's basically like, "Hey, I want to have sex with you," and he's he like, "He considers fucking his daughter." I mean, she's kind of a babe, so she's like a solid eight point five. I mean, like you can't really say. No. I say this in jest. Just what? What the fuck? Like, I know that like the thing is like he's evil or whatever, but why? I mean, like, like between this and and like Cheryl and Jason's relationship in in in, in Afterlife and in Riverdale, there's something about Sakasa that he likes the edginess of like incest, and it, it's not actual one, but it's like almost there. It's like he loves to like walk up walk up to the line and then come back from it, you know? Yeah. Like, never actually cross it. But I actually thought that, like, the thing with, like, Edward Spellman is that that is, like, the one character in the book that feels like, oh, you can tell the difference between, like, the issues that were written in 2014, the issues that were written in 2017, and then the one issue that was written in 2021. Um, Because, like, he's sort of revealed, I think it's an issue six which is one of the 2015 issues where it sort of like is revealed that he is in Harvey's body. If I remember correctly, which I could be misremembering my, my, my judgment, my, my brain is a little bit clouded and foggy for, you know, normal reasons, Normal reasons. <laughs> nothing to do with the, all the alcohol I've ingested. Um, and, and I sort of like the arc of like, um, Sabrina starting off like kind of idolizing her like because it's the classic like oh my parents are are dead or I guess she doesn't know that her mom is actually still alive yeah uh but in a mental asylum and so she like sort of idolizes them um but then and and so the reader is sort of in a position of like oh these are look how progressive they are they like wanted to marry outside of the, the the coven wow good for them and then you sort of realize like as the story unravels just like how like everything that edward has ever done is like in pursuit of of power and is is in some kind of like evil act um but as like i mean to- like 
like we talked about like this book has a mean streak in terms of its horror i mean the scene where harvey gets killed is pretty brutal uh there's a lot of like kind of there's a lot of pretty like brutal imagery in this book like the scene where again madame satan pulls the the face off the girl but like the scene in the latest issue where like edward spellman rapes the demon that he's been working with that's what i was just about to say is like a total like and i mean it's not I'm not like I'm not somebody personally who's like squeamish about like sexual violence in in fiction necessarily. It's just that in the way it feels deployed, the way that it's deployed here is so different from the like horror and meanness of this book leading up to it. And the book does so much in terms of it, like indicating to you that like Edward is like an evil character and an evil person and does not have like good intentions in terms of his return and re-engagement with Sabrina. And in fact, always has sort of had like negative intentions for, for her life and how, how he thinks about her. It feels so superfluous. It feels like such like a, well, right. And the fact that it's just like a, like the, it just like takes place over the course of like basically a page turn where it's like the end of the panel is like, I'm going to take my revenge on you because she she sort of betrays him and reveals that he's been scheming in the background to Hilda and Zelda, and then Hilda and Zelda are the ones who like sort of trap him in the tree. And he's like, "I'm gonna take my revenge on you." You're like, oh, he's gonna like kill her or something, or like do something bad to her. And then it's like, I'm taking my revenge in the form of like carnal relations or whatever. Yeah. And then the next page is just like it, like the page turn there. I mean. From a craft perspective, I can't help but respect it from, like, how, like, the page turn, like, the effect of the page turn in terms of, like, seeing the the demon sort of just, like, spent and exhausted lying on the floor. But from, like, the perspective of actually reading the comics, like, this is, like, a – this feels like a really – like, uncharacteristic and out of place, like, tonally escalation of what this book is willing to do. I've kind of felt that way about the whole – edward arc like it seems like all the rest of the writing is kind of fine but like everything about his character execution specifically like like this book has always been edgy but like something about it just feels like a little weird yeah i mean like it's even in issue one, like, you know, all, all the stuff he does in the, in the mental asylum and that stuff, it's like, oh, okay. It's like all that stuff, like, makes sense. Yeah. It feels it, like he has just become, like, I know, and I know it's just because we are now getting his POV, but, like, it yeah. seems like he is so much more evil and it's like, I, I, I don't Him know. Him taking over Harvey's body, like, any scene he's in is just, like, very uncomfortable, which, I, yes. you know, is the point, but, like, even he was with that girl and they like at the school and it's just like he has sex there and it's kind of like, yeah. Okay. Well, that I actually kind of like because that is part of like Madame Satan's like revenge plan. Right. Uh-huh. Is that she reanimated Harvey's body, but with Edward in it because like the plan is like, it's a classic, like it is really a classic revenge tale of, you know, I'm going, I'm not going to just kill you, which she does earlier in the book when she like burns the tree down that he's trapped in. But I'm, it's, it's very, it's like a classic, it's like old boy, right? Like this is the setup of old boy is that like, I'm not going to take revenge on you by killing you. I'm going to take revenge on you by making you fuck your daughter. <laughs> um, wow. Spoilers. And, and, uh, 
Well, that is what old boy. I, come on, everyone's seen. I hope you've seen. Old I, boy I've not now. seen old boy. I mean, I haven't, but like I, I knew that that was the twist in old boy. Right, but it's like the thing of like, and it's not like specifically. I'm I'm gonna make you fuck your daughter, but it's like I'm gonna like break you in a way that is, you know, different than what I would than the kind of like satisfaction I get from just killing you. Um, and that's and so like I like the whole like oh he's in Harvey's body and he's like fucking other like other girls like obviously like it's like fucked up from like a lot of perspectives like I mean this is we're talking about like an adult warlock in a teen body fucking other teenagers and contemplating having sex with his own daughter but like that is like I think part of the man I'm Satan like revenge plan and that stuff I like I like that is like that's very classic like horror and revenge movie trope stuff which i think is what is the realm that this book is playing in which is why i like to go back to alex's point about the first issue of like it does paint edward as being a villain basically from the beginning yeah um but again this whole like you know having other designs for his daughter and so putting hit the mother diana i think her name is diana mm-hmm. um, yeah into a mental asylum like that's very classic like oh that's like a classic like horror trope right like you know, as you know, Zack Snyder did in the the classic movie Sucker Punch. <laughs> so you guys, Why would you do that to me? So since we're talking about Sabrina's dad, do you guys prefer Harvey in Volume One or Harvey in Volume Two? Volume One. I mean, yeah. the real loss is that, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like the real loss after those first those initial six issues, which I think it is worth noting, those six issues came out well. There's a there's a hiatus after issue one, but two through five, two through six come out in sequence. Seven and eight come out three three years later, I think two or three years later, and I think there is something that is like, and I don't I don't know if like this is RAS working out his shit after like writing Riverdale for a season already, but of like no more te- no more fun teen drama. Get that shit out of my book. It's all fucked up. It's all like horrid, vile shit. I want the reader to be super uncomfortable the whole time because that's what, that's what the last three issues feel like to me. And I mean, if that's the, the metric that we're evaluating it on, I mean, yes, I am uncomfortable <laughs> reading the last three issues. And, to, and I think like from a writing perspective, these are successful to varying degrees. I think initially the sort of Edward Harvey twist is like pretty compelling. Um, but it de- you definitely notice that difference, I think, in terms oh, of yeah. like the philosophy of the book after its initial run of six it's, issues. It's funny though, because like in Sabrina's mind, she's still living that, you know, teen boppy uh, lifestyle. And like, she's like, oh, Harvey's back. And like, I can do no wrong. And like, things great. We're going to drink milkshakes and stuff like well, that. Well, except she goes down to Chicago and she's like, I'm just going to murk this in me. Well, yeah, but he deserves it. <laughs> Oh, or or does he? What? Oh in, my in gosh! The, in the mind, of, in the mind of a sixteen-year-old, I'm sure he deserves it. But I mean, I guess we should set this up, right? Do you want to? Do you want to? Well, I mean, yeah. That? So you know, so basically, because she brought Harvey in quotation marks back, uh, the deal is she has to kill someone. So you know, she's thinking like, I got to find someone vile. So she looks up, and the person she finds is someone who killed like eight nurses or something like that, but didn't get the death penalty. Was supposed to get the death penalty. Got a stay of execution. So she goes and visits him and is like, I'm going to kill you. And then he's like, what if I was a demon? And then a demon comes out and it's like, oh, no, the person didn't decide it. It was the demon who did it. And the demon kills the guy anyway. So it's, it, you know, it, it's a little twist. And now that 
now that I'm thinking about it, that I read that comic at the same time it came out too. And I was like, what's going on? What's happening with this series? Cause it'd been so long. Um, but it's, yeah, that that's where it ends is the cliffhanger of the guy dying or getting killed by the demon, which isn't by Sabrina's hand. So I think there's some repercussions there where she still has to kill someone. Um, but it turns out the person wasn't actually doing it. So, but also it's a, tw- it's a new thing for Sabrina too, where she's like willing to do anything for like, go to like the most extremes, which they have know. the conversation with, with, with the, with, with you know, it, it's so nonchalant with her aunts where she's like, I'm going to find someone who doesn't do it. I don't kiss until I'm not going to kill until. Cause they're like, who are you going to do it to? And she's like, yeah. I'm not doing it. Bye guys. I'm going out, I'm going out late. I'm with friends. It's fine. And it's like, she's going to murder someone because mm-hmm. witches, you know? But I mean, it's still like a, it's a, it's a, it is a big turn for her character, right? Cause up to that point, she is like, there is like, I mean, and this is this book and you know, the TV, the Netflix adaptation is very much about like the sort like her loss of innocence. Um, but there's no moment I think where it's clearer than when she's like, yeah, I'm just going to go kill this guy. Cause like I decided he deserved it. Cause like my love's worth more than like other people's lives. It's right. like, it's the way it is. I mean, it, it's very like selfish teenager stuff, but like in a way that like, Which you know, her, her, her aunts are having the conversation. They're like, she's not going to do it. She's going to chicken out. Like this is, this is a lesson. And it's like, will she, won't she, who, who really knows? Um, Emily, have you seen the Netflix show? I watched up to, I haven't seen the very last season. Me too. um, Because I kind of heard that it was not great. So I've just been kind of avoiding it, but um, I did watch all all of the rest of it and I, I I enjoyed it. I would say I I think it's pretty good. Um, It's, very 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 different in a lot of ways uh it's a lot of the horror stuff is uh a little more palatable uh (laughs) to like a a more mainstream audience like the they're not actual cannibals in the well i mean like they kind of joke about it like are they are they but like as far as i can remember at least it has been a minute since i watched any of the netflix show but like they're not actually cannibals and there's not as much like there's not as much of that like kind of grisly horror um Mm -hmm. but not that that's uh i don't think that that's bad necessarily i don't know how well some of the tone of this book would translate to a Netflix show necessarily. So I think it was probably best that they didn't really try to, yeah. to do an exact uh, adaptation in that way. Yeah. And I mean, they, they definitely take parts of it where like, you know, oh, sure, Satan yeah. and like, like it's definitely, it's, it, it feels like, Oh, based on this book you love and it's like a movie and it's like, Oh, it's kind of different, kind of the same. Um, they're definitely drawing from it but it's just a lot more uh like tonally it's a lot more like watered down because the sabrina show like compared to riverdale was a lot more like edgy and like you know well sabrina the show could get away with a little more because it was a streaming service program and not on cable Mm -hmm. but then like i after reading the comic after that it's like the edginess kind of goes away when you compare the two yeah Uh, Jean-Luc, did you finish the Netflix show? Because both Emily and I didn't watch season, the last one. I watched um, a good bit of season two, but I think it was released in two parts where like the first part all came out at once. And then there was like a couple months break and then the second part came out and I never watched the second part. 
Mm-hmm. I did see the awesome down with the sickness needle drop, which is one of my favorite moments in the show. I think you sent that because uh, I have a <laughs> I have a memory of that. I posted on Twitter, so you probably that's probably uh, that might be where you saw it. Yeah. Um, great moment. What did you think of the Netflix show? I mean, look, it, <laughs> I have. I, this is one of the things that I think probably will surprises a lot of people the most is when I'm like, yeah, I think the MCU sucks. And I think that like, you shouldn't watch cart kit baby cartoons when you're, you know, over the age of eight. And then I'm like, uh, actually I love Riverdale and Sabrina. And <laughs> these are, these are awesome to me. This is my yeah, shit. Look, you have to catch up to Riverdale. You have to get through this season. I really need to catch the up stuff to that goes on. It's just Dude, like, I- I saw one spoiler. As a comic book fan, there were actual moments where, like, nothing nothing has adapted to something like this as well as Riverdale has. And then, it, you know, it's trashy as hell, but it's I just gotta, like... I, I gotta get back on the train, dude. We I, need to I, do... I we need to we need to watch Riverdale together, John Luke. We we need to do... You and me, and if Alex wants to join, he can, but we need to do Riverdale. That's, that's, how, we'll, we gotta, that's how we'll get caught up. Is if that's we how force, we'll win. Is if we force each other to do it. <laughs> we gotta do it. Because, well, I don't, need, I don't really need to be forced. I just, I, like... No, yeah, I know. I, it's just we both keep not doing it. Yeah. The reason I'm caught up is because, like, there were friends who watched Riverdale, and we're like, okay, every second Tuesday night we'll watch two episodes. I have to physically go to your house to do it. Like, uh, but... But I love the Sabrina Netflix show. I mean, I wish that it had the, you know... Hor- the, more of the horror elements of this sh- of the comic, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Like I, I really dislike how much it was sanded down for like a, a sort of lowest common denominator Netflix audience. And I, but this is a problem that I have with like every Netflix adaptation, and you know, even it's like, like it's like I get it, but like that doesn't mean that I like. It doesn't take away it. what they took from us, <laughs> you know. Like, like it'd be so cool. I want to like. I want to see like the shit that Robert Hack draws in this book, given the justice it deserves. I also want him to get the paycheck he deserves because, like, yeah. I bet he was not paid for so. nine <laughs> issues of a cop. Like, <laughs> shit, he didn't even get like consistent work, which is yeah, kind of sad. You got to feel bad for that. I mean, I mean, maybe Archie keeps him on the payroll and like because RAS. Yeah, is, I like, mean, he, he does stuff for he's a high roller stuff. now. Like, maybe he's like getting kickbacks. Good you were just so sorry. You, you were just saying about um the art style i know that the sabrina intro has some of the hack art and stuff like that um in terms of visual styles of the show and i guess we could talk about afterlife as well but i mean probably just sabrina do you think it loses something also just like not being that or 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 how the or or why do you think the show does to like you know it can't do the art but this is my problem with like trying to adapt comics into to live action movies or shows is like the class (laughs) Hey, Rick Remender thinks that shit was great. <laughs> God, I I have I have to talk about the last three issues of Deadly Class at some point. I we'll we'll have a show. We'll do the whole I, series. Why not? I'm keeping yeah. so many emotions about Deadly we'll Class do, bottled in. We'll do Deadly Class. Yeah, um, we'll do it. But I mean, there's yeah, we'll do it. But I mean, there's so many like examples of this where like. You know, and I think that Sabrina has written quite well. I think that, like, a lot of the elements of the comic come over pretty well. I mean, it's obviously, like, updated for, like, a modern era. It doesn't take place in the 60s. 
but you lose so much from the comics because of what you can and can't do from a visual standpoint. I mean, so much of this book, like I said up front, so much of this book for me is the visual style. Like if you drew this in this like DC house style, I would not give a shit about this book. Like I, I would read this and be like, whatever. It's a, it's a Sabrina. Uh, sure. People who are into it are going to be into it. I, for one, don't give a shit. But as soon as you give it like a real, like credible, like horror style and uh, give it those trappings and, and are willing to do the sort of like gruesome shit that like horror comics used to do. And, and horror comics, like to be clear, like horror comics still exist, but it's, it, they follow the trends of the day where like now a lot of the horror comics that we get are like serial killer books. Which is fine. I mean, if, if you haven't read Colder, like, I highly recommend it. But there's so few books that are, like, this sort of, like, mystical horror and occult horror that used to be, like, what horror comics were. And as soon as you give it those trappings and give it that credibility that Robert Hack gives this book, like, it's a totally different ballgame. And you just can't adapt that to live action. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you can, but you need something way more than a Netflix Original well, and, I mean, and it, you know, they, they, they leaned more heavily to the relationship stuff, which is like, you know, which is good. I mean, like, yeah, it's just it. like, like, like yeah. I live for that. I mean, that's the shit that I love, right? Like that's sort of like the, the coming of age narratives and like leaning to that. And I think that they, I think it's a smart adaptation in the sense that they don't even really try to go for some of the stuff that the, well, season two, a little bit more does, but season one doesn't even try to go for some of the stuff that the book does. Whereas like, you know, you think of other stuff, like I tried to watch the first episode of Sandman and I I can't fucking do it. Like, because like, it's just adapting the pages one for one, but without the art, it's just like a boring, like, Oh, these are some guys with a green screen behind them. Fuck off. I don't want to see that shit. I'm going to go read the comics that look beautiful and not whatever this is. And, And I, so I think that like, not going for the like one to one page to pa- uh, page to to shot adaptation is is smart, um, but I you know as with everything like I, I wish there was more edge and more horror shit in like everything I watch. So yeah, you know. Emily, which Sabrina character do you think cries the most? Um, real quick uh about the the tv show in my perfect in my dream world this comic would have gotten a an like a, a lush lushly animated adaptation that Ooh. like actually tried to not like one to one like replicate the style but use like that as like an influence on like the like the art style uh it would be far too expensive for what Netflix would be willing to invest in any sort of animation, but that's why it's my my dream adaptation and not uh, something that exists in real life. Yeah, you know, I'm picturing something along so the cool. lines of uh, Avenged Sevenfold's A Little Piece of Heaven music video. <laughs> I deserve that one. Uh, but, or, or even like, I feel like you could kind of make a, just like an animated movie out of this oh, yeah. like i feel like you could take you could pair the story down to something that would just i mean like you know not that there's that much story to begin with but yeah. uh you know you instead of it, this is the rare case where normally i think that trying to adapt 
comics into anything but a TV show is sort of a waste, but like you could probably make this into like a single arc for a movie uh, and it oh, yeah. work out fairly well. So I, I was being flippant earlier, but I do agree that if you're going to do something like this animation is a style to do it. In. I mean, God, just like okay. look at invincible, right? Mm-hmm. Not a, not an amazing show adapted from, amazing issues of a comic that got bad later <laughs> but but it does actually like do an, an okay job of replicating the visual style of that com- i mean yeah i feel like i'm i mean we we talked about deadly class but like if that was an animated show instead of live action like dude i i know rick remender loves that book and i admire rick remender a lot as a writer but like 80 percent of the reason deadly class is good is because of wes craig and yeah, not, is. not like trying to turn that into it was a mistake. Anyway, <laughs> they got their season. Like Ryan Otley's art style in in, in Invincible is much more like one to one adaptable to an animated show. You know, like yeah, I feel like I'm shit talking Ryan Otley by saying that because Ryan Otley is a hell of an artist, but. As for uh, the which Sabrina character cries the most, oh right, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm probably gonna say. I mean, I guess it's gotta be Sabrina, huh? She's a Sabrina's teenager. A, Sabrina's a classic sad girl. Yeah, she's a she's a teenage girl. She cries several times uh, in this comic. Yeah. Yeah. I think Harvey cries a lot when he's about to get murked. Yeah, but then he like, he, like, does the opposite of crying when he's, like, taken over. So, like, kind of evens out. He, he, like, sucks in tears. But it's not too. really him, right? Yeah, it's true. No. I bet Harvey is, like, in there, like, superior Spider-Man Peter Parker style, just, like, bitching. Oh, I forgot about that. That, that, <laughs> that would be you interesting. Know, I, I like that. I genuinely like oh, that idea. That's I great. like superior Spider-Man. That's great. Sorry. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> You know what? We should put that on the, the list. Those death, those death threats were unwarranted. Well, most all, like ninety percent of death threats are ninety eight percent of death threats are unwarranted. Yeah, yeah. People <laughs> got really pissed at Dan Slott for doing that, but I have to say, like, I wish that RAS did like something like that for for this book, where you got to see Harvey like reacting to Edward like eating his parents. The thing is, like, Harvey is like. Oh, that Harvey, would be Harvey, so sad. Harvey's just like Harvey's just like a dumb Harvey's just like a dumb teenager though. Like his character in the first, you don't even get enough of a character in the first thing for him to be like like what what would he do? He'd be like He's just uh-oh. a horny teen. He is. And that's why we love him. Amen. <laughs> but but I but I do think I, I do think there would have been a little bit it would it would be additive, I think. Yeah. So for him to watch his parents get eaten and see his <laughs> Yo, his mom killed his his mom killed his dad for no reason. Like no reason. Just because she he he was like, Don't answer the door, our like son really is actually insane. dead. And then she just like beats him to death and then the guy walks in and it's like, Whoa. Yeah. The 60s, I kind right? of wish Edward kept her alive a little bit longer and like ate parts of her while she was still alive. It was weird that he killed her after all that. Like, like he kept her alive for long enough and then killed her. And it was like, okay, well, sure. Well, he killed her when he ate her. But like, yeah, I don't know. Like human, even somebody like her who like she has a fairly slender figure. Like there's enough meat on those bones to last you a few days, man. Like you need a familiar to talk to. 
I think Madam Madam Satan cries a lot because her, she is very sad. <laughs> yeah. I, I think Zelda and Hilda also probably cry a lot after they're betrayed by their niece and also their brother. Uh, a long Do time cats ago. cry? No, not Sa- oh Sa- God, Salem probably does have like a lot of sad, sad boy moments. Yeah, his whole life's a sad boy moment. A lot of years too to do it. Well, he was kind of a fuck boy, and then he became a sad, which is the cl- the classic fuck boy to sad boy pipeline. A lot of music that way. A lot of music that way. Uh, last, last, last question, um, dude. I'm just imagining Salem as a SoundCloud rapper, like just zanned out, releasing like the worst rap tracks you've ever seen. Uh, man, Robert Agrisacasa, get on it, release it. He'd, <laughs> He'd do it too. He would. I'm uh, surprised none of the Riverdale characters have had like a sound, a hip hop career. I mean, we could only like, be so lucky. There's so many. Like, you go to Spotify. There's like 12 albums of Riverdale music that you. Can yeah, but to. there is one entire album of the their adaptation of Heather's, which, to be fair, yeah. does kind of whip. <sighs> Jailhouse Rock. <laughs> I'm sorry, Emily. I, I also love the original Heather's musical. I, the Heather's musical is but good. The Heather's musical is great. And also the Riverdale covers kind of go hard. <laughs> so g- genuinely, do you think we're going to get a conclusion to the series? No. Or even, no. even a new issue? No. Okay. Maybe new issue. Okay. You know, obviously we're going to get a new issue, but what is your timing? What is your bet on when we get a new issue? What, what, when do we get issue 10? Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. 2027. I'm going to say 2025. October 2024. They're going to hit us with a Sabrina Afterlife doubleheader, and then we will never hear from them again. Riverdale Scott's going to drop off the face of the earth. Riverdale's gone. And uh, that's how we like it. Yeah, Riverdale's gone. Sabrina's over. The Josie spinoff bombed. They haven't even started that. They did. Well, did they announce it? The Josie spinoff was in the Katie Keen show. And Katie Keen bombed. Oh, so wait, when they when they went on tour, that was in Katie Keen land. Or was that after? Yes, that was Katie Keen. Oh, I was hoping like because I actually like all the characters that left. Like it was like it was like Sweet Pea and jo- Josie. Hmm. Wow. You know what? Did you hear that sound? That's not Josie and the Pussycats. No, sir. No, madam. No, no, no. That is the Doomsday Clock saying it's time for our first ever cry space. It's a new segment we're trying out. Uh, you know, we're called Crying in the Book Club. And uh, we, we, we're going to take, you know, a time at the end of every show to highlight one thing that made us cry this week. Um, Jean-Luc's eating chips. So I'm going to ask Emily. Emily, what is your cry space this week? Um... My cry space this week is that um, I came with one prepared. I was going to say I wasn't prepared to go first. I was. So now that I'm finished eating my uh, cracker and cheese. You can't call um, me that. (laughs) I can say that. Mm. That's one of the few slurs I'm allowed to say. Let me have this. Okay. As soon as I get a diagnosis, I'll be able to say another one. (laughs) So, Luke, what's your your cry space this week? (laughs) 
So, uh, as many people know, there's a new uh, show in the A Song of Ice and Fire universe. The Game of Thrones universe. Unfortunately. So, you know, I was really hoping that I would hate this show. No. So that I could, like, watch a few episodes and then be like, I'm done with it. Unfortunately, it's good. Oh. That oh, no. brings me and that brings me to my cry space, which is that from now for the next at least eight at the time of recording, there's two episodes out. I think it's a ten episode season. So for the next eight weeks, and then for ten weeks of the year, for however many episodes, for however many seasons the show goes, I have to see Matt Matt Smith's face. And this makes me very sad because I like literally I was like. I hope the show sucks because I don't want to see Matt Smith. I want to forget he exists, compartmentalize him away in my brain. Don't think about him. And if the show sucked, I'd be like, okay, I'll watch like three episodes, whatever. It sucks. Not my problem. But now it's good. And I have to uh, see Matt Smith and seeing Matt Smith's face makes me upset. And it brings me to the verge of tears every time and having to see him for 30 out of 50 odd minutes every week. So that's my Christmas. Have you never seen Game of Thrones? I do know there's a lot of death in that show. So I know. you might okay. you might be freed of Matt Smith well, earlier. I have read the source material that the show is based on. There might be some sweet release in my future. Nice. <laughs> Those are the kind of cry spaces I like where it's like sad but hopeful. No pressure, Emily. <laughs> no, um, okay, so I do have a cry space, and that is that um I uh, recently, as t- as of recording, played the uh, Splatoon three demo, uh, the Yay! Splatfest demo, Yay! and I chose Team Scissors, and we lost. We were winning, and then and then in tricolor battle, because we were winning, we got put in the least advantageous position in every map, and were absolutely demolished by uh, teams rock and paper, respectively. I, and yes, I did choose. I did choose scissors because I'm a lesbian. <laughs> yep, that's yep. I I choose scissors because I always go scissors, rock paper scissors every time. Well, you're. Uh, well, Alex. Alex, your uh, your room is lit up in red, the color of Team Scissors. And that's beautiful. It is beautiful. I'm very excited. Uh, by the time this episode comes out, Splatoon 3 will already have been out for a little while. But um, as of recording, I am looking forward to getting to play it soon. So we, we've been playing a little bit of Fall Guys. I'd say like once a week, once every two weeks. Yeah! Once, once Splatoon's out... That's a three, four player game that we all like. Is that true? Does that mean okay. that John Luke will finally play video games with me? To be fair, I have wanted to play Fall Guys with you for the last two weeks, but this fucking Airbnb won't fix the goddamn Wi-Fi. Rip. Rude. But it's got a really Uh-oh. nice, bless this house with love and laughter. Uh, it's <laughs> it's a beer cap that says that it's huge. It's fantastic. My cry space this week is John Luke's Wi-Fi experience. But more so, it is the fact that he has to stare at the beer can top that says, bless this house with love and laughter. Um, wow. Uh, it's, it's sad. It's pretty fucked up that they make me do that. It's true, but uh, 
you know, the hopeful part is that Jean-Luc won't be in this Airbnb for much longer, maybe. Is that correct? I mean, ideally, I'll be, a, I'll be in a new one next week, so we'll see. There we go. Although, back next week. Actually, I'll save this for after we finish recording because I don't want this on a recording. Ooh, Patreon content. All right. <laughs> you know what to do. Spam that thing. And yeah, that is this episode, Crying the Book Club, I think. This is episode eight. No. Ten. Nine? Nine? Ten. Nine. Ten. Ten. Nine. It is ten. Ten. Well, you know what? I tried to negotiate. One of us is ready. Tried to One negotiate. of us comes prepared. Okay, I, I wrote nine at the top of the show and no one corrected it, though. You guys all had access to this document. So now you're saying ten? Now when everybody's listening, you're saying ten? But not when it was like, oh, let me do it secretly. Now let's make Alex look like he's an idiot. Anyway, uh, you can find us on many places, many things. Uh, you can find our show at Crying Book Club on twitter you can rate and review us five stars on any podcast platform we're on you're probably listening to us on it's really cool also you can send us an email at where can the email is at uh crying book club at gmail.com let me double check i'm pretty sure that's it that's good yeah i mean like shoot us an email whether it's about one headshot yeah that's that's crying book club at gmail.com uh yeah send us whatever you want like you know questions about books well suggestions about books you want to do not yeah Um, give us your book suggestions if there's a um, a book that you think that we should read yeah and if you have any novelty beer caps that say bless this house with love and laughter we'd love to see them it's really you know what if we get t-shirts done that's going to be in the back yeah it's going to be it's going to be very ugly be great um what's not ugly is John Luke's Twitter? You can follow him at Mountain View Liker. That's debatable. And his, his letterbox, JL Botville. So, if you've heard any movie opinions or TV show opinions from John Luke that you either agree with or don't agree with, check out his letterbox. There might be more opinions on there. Who's I say? actually wrote stuff for my letterbox recently. Yeah. See? I wrote like That's... three paragraphs about how Jennifer's body is poggers. Jennifer's poggers. body is poggers. You're so right. Also, poggers is Emily. And you can find Twitter. At Mpandanata, Letterboxd, Pandabore, Twitch, Pandabore, and uh, what's on? You're on the second Ace Attorney game now. You're about to start. Yes, I, I, as of recording, I just finished the first Ace Attorney game, including the fifth bonus case that's at the end of uh, the original uh, Ace, the, the Ace Attorney trilogy version of uh, the first game. So I'm about to move on to the second game. And so I'm exciting. excited. Such a great game. Uh, Podcast-wise, this is not the only place you can find Emily. Un- Although maybe, maybe we're going to lock her up to an exclusive, get a good contract going. We'll see. Uh, her co-host would be unhappy <laughs> on such fine shows as Imagine Me and Utina, Fresh Podcast Network, and That Looks Terrible, which um, at the time of the you report, run what? that You want to run that one again? Fresh Podcast Market? Yes. Is that what I said? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and That Looks Terrible, which at the time of recording... I mean, now that you're listening, it'll have an episode probably. Yes, I believe so, but don't quote me on that. I think we've been saying that for every episode, and so mathematically, I know that's not true. <laughs> but it's okay. That's the fun of it, and I hope you guys had fun listening to our little little Harvey Kinkle time with the uh, chilling adventures of Sabrina. Thanks for stopping by, and remember, drink responsibly, or don't drink at all. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>